Hello, Happy New Year. I'm Libby. Welcome to the Trudy Mitchell Podcast. This is episode 18. It feels a bit funny still saying Happy New Year, but this is actually my first podcast of 2016. We're in the middle of a hot summer here in New Zealand, and it's been holidays. So I decided to take, to take a break in January and to get back to business. Now my kids are back at school for the new school year. Hey, I've got a neat interview for you today. But before we get started, I wanted to tell you about some exciting stuff. I've got a whole bunch of things in the works. This year is already looking pretty cool. I'm planning knit-alongs, sew-alongs, new pattern releases, and lots of other ways for you guys to connect with me and each other and have lots of fun. So, firstly, keep your eyes peeled this weekend for my first pattern release of 2016. I designed a hat for my brother Matt for Christmas and it's turned into a pattern. It's the first men's pattern I've tried, and I'm pretty pleased with how it's turned out. When I designed it, I kept Matt in the front of my mind and tried to channel a style and design that were just him. I kept remembering a time in the UK when he was living with us, and he got himself a rather fabulous Roman soldier costume to wear to a fancy dress party. He liked dressing up, and it was the, the costume was everything from shoes, I think it was shoes, it was, because he had some sort of slave sandal things and this sort of rather, well, it didn't have a lot to it actually, the soldier costume, but anyway, it had a big helmet, one of those big full silver helmets, and it just looked amazing on him. Uh, anyway, he loved it, he looked totally neat, and so my thoughts as I was designing were just drawn back to soldiers and warriors and helmets, and I just that image kept coming into my mind. So I ended up with a rather strong masculine cable design combined with a classic 2x2 rib that I know guys love. So it's a beanie. So it fits snugly to your head, but with the rib it's really stretchy and it fits a wide range of sizes. And I've included three sizes anyway. There's a child size, a teen size and an adult size. I knitted Matt's hat with Malabrigo Rios. It's a gorgeous worsted weight yarn. And my sample, which is actually the large size, the largest size, it's the adult size, um, use less than one skein. So it's a really quick knit, and I'm hoping it appeals to lots of guys, and also to knitters because of the fun cable and the relaxing rib. So keep a lookout on Ravelry, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me on all those places as Trudy Myrtle. Actually, on Instagram, I'm Trudy Myrtle Photos. The pattern is called Maximus. It'll be available in the next day or so, I think. If you've subscribed to receive my mini mag, you'll actually get an email when it goes live. So you can go over to my website, trulymittal.com, if you want to subscribe to my mini mag. It's a free monthly newsletter, which is a like a mini mag, but then I also just let you know about pattern updates as they come along. So maybe once or twice every couple of months, you'll get another email telling you about something else that's happening. Right, what else? Um, we're kicking off the year with a sew along. Now, lots of you told me that you wanted to join me and sew a washi dress at the end of last year. So I've organized for a big sew along to start next Friday, the 12th of February. The plan is to take it in bite-sized chunks, just a little sewing each day for 13 days. You might not even notice you're making a new dress. Now, like my other sew alongs, I'll be posting pictures and tips every day on Instagram and Facebook. And actually, I think I'll start a thread in the Ravelry group this time too, so you can join in and chat there if you like as well. 
Obviously I can't share any of the particular pattern details but I'll talk about what step or steps we're doing each day and I'll give you some tips and ideas to make your sewing easier. And if you've got questions we can all help each other out by answering them. So I guess there'll be in essence three threads running at the same time. There'll be one on Instagram, one on Facebook and another on Ravelry. You absolutely do not have to join all three. Just find one that works best for you. To get started you'll need a pattern the washi dress pattern you can get that from made by ray although lots of other people around uh, there's sort of independent sewing pattern sellers sell it to or not even independent but um you, you'll find it in sewing pattern shops so you'll need the pattern you'll need some fabric and you'll need your notions and so all of that is detailed on the packet now if you're worried about getting a good fit you might like to try a muslin first but you could also maybe treat this sew along as a wearable muslin maybe now I don't want to overload you with information. The last thing I've got to tell you is that I've been blogging weekly since the new year and I, we've been, I've been talking about a variety of things, including some of the business challenges, some of which actually turned out to be pretty personal since I started Truly Myrtle Designs this time last year. I've written a couple of posts that seem to have resonated with lots of you and it's good. In fact, it's actually really reassuring um, to know that I'm not alone. So, um, yes you can subscribe to them if I've also set up a way of subscribing to my blog posts via email if you want to get those you can sign up at trulymyrtle.com should we get on with our interview I think so Two, three, four. if you've been following me for a while you'll know of my love affair with outlaw yarns outlaw yarns I was pretty excited when I discovered them about 18 months ago and I first used some for my epistrophe cardigan which is a Kate Davies pattern from her Yolks book. That was Vanitas, a gorgeous DK weight alpaca organic merino blend and I really enjoyed knitting with that. It just made the most beautiful colour work. Since then two more bases have been released, a Bohemia Sport and Bohemia Worsted. So they are a sport and worsted weight yarns blended from Polworth alpaca and possum absolutely delicious they're just equally as gorgeous as the vanitas outlaw yarn is actually particularly exciting for me because it's a totally new zealand yarn it's spun here well it's grown here first it's grown here it's spun here it's actually a worsted spun so it's a smooth yarn and it's dyed here and it's amazing quality so it makes me feel pretty proud I had the pleasure of talking with Deb, who's the owner and founder of Outlaw Yarn, and we talked about lots of things. We talked about how she got started, what it's like to run a yarn company, how she found her colorways, what inspires her, and possums. So, possums. I just want to say a couple of things, because I know the use of possum fur is still a little confusing for some people. Possums aren't native to New Zealand and you'll hear Deb talking about the devastating effects that they've had and continue to have on our quite fragile ecosystem here. The possums in New Zealand are not the same as North American possums. They are completely different to North American possums. They just happen to have a similar name. They're actually spelt differently. North American's possums start with an O, our possums start with an a P, but they're a completely different animal. So when you hear the word possum in relation to New Zealand, don't think of North American possums. They are not the same. So you'll hear it's actually great for the New Zealand native flora and fauna and for the native animals that possum fur is being used in yarn, but it's also great fur to use. It's incredibly soft. It's very, very warm and it's hypoallergenic and it's really light. 
I rather love the gorgeous dark halo that possum fur gives to a yarn. And in Outlaw's Bohemia yarn, the dark halo of the possum and the light halo of the alpaca is just so stunning. I absolutely love it. And with that, here's Deb. Well, I grew up um, in, a, in a small town uh, called Awakuni, which is the middle of the North Island. Um, anyone who skis will, will know Awakuni well. And we moved there when I was oh, just before my fifth birthday. And my grandparents followed soon after. So I actually um, grew up with them living next door, which was wonderful. And because of, you know, the, the era that they were from, um, my grandmother always made clothes. My mum worked, so she didn't actually uh, have as much time on her hands, as I, although I do remember my mum um, with a knitting machine oh. and making us um, making jerseys and things for us uh, with a knitting machine for a while. And that was fun because she had this great big book of patterns and it was one of those ones where you punch the holes uh, in the cards to create the pattern and, you know, choosing which ones we wanted and things like that. So there's, there's actually, f like, many photos of me around as... A child in handmade clothes and knitted jerseys and things like that but I couldn't tell you how many hours I spent sitting um, by beside my grandmother uh, literally at her knee on the floor watching her knit crochet embroider um, all of those kinds of things she always whenever she sat down she had something in her hands mm. so she was always making something so I guess it was just natural that um, that I at some point, and I don't even actually know when I learnt to knit, um, it wasn't particularly young because I was not patient, zero patience. Um, I think grandma probably despaired of ever teaching me anything. <laughs> but she was a very patient woman. So um, somehow we persevered and I at least learnt, I learnt how to, to cast on and knit and purl and cast off. And that, to be honest, that was actually pretty much the extent of my knitting experience for probably 20 years. <laughs> um, it was one of those things that I that I picked up off and on throughout the years. You know, occasionally I'd go, oh, I feel like knitting something. And I'd go down and I'd buy some yarn and some needles and a pattern and then I'd get halfway through it and then it would get chucked in a corner. And when my, when my niece my niece who's nearly 14 now when um, my sister was pregnant with her I was kind of like oh, poor baby she doesn't have a grandma to knit for her it's like oh no yeah okay here we go auntie it's like right I've got to do this I've got to knit her something because I guess for me growing up um, you know that was it was an expression of love that uh, my my grandmother and then occasionally my mother would would knit for us or sew for us or that to me I guess became all tied up with that expression of love and so I was like oh, my niece oh no poor baby you know no grandma didn't miss anything for her I've got to knit her something so with my very limited skills I went I bought patterns I bought needles yarn and I knitted frantically and knitted her a a jersey and this was before the whole circular knitting and the round thing was really around and about um or at least I hadn't heard of it so then I ended up with all these pieces for jerseys but I didn't actually know how to sew them together I didn't know about blocking um, I didn't know about gauge I didn't know how to pick up stitches I didn't know how to do the neck bands I didn't so so my poor sister 
would um, she, well, she was actually always the knitter in the family, not me. I was I was the sewer. Oh. So anytime she wanted something sewn, she would come to me, and any time I wanted something knitted, I'd go to her. So um, so my sister would get these parcels in the mail of these partially knitted jerseys <laughs> that she then had to finish off and I actually think she was taking them to her to her um, partner's um, auntie and I think I think auntie Pat had to finish off an awful lot of my jerseys so I hope she didn't curse too much at me <laughs> oh no I can just mm. see it now new baby and a whole lot of pieces arrive that you have yeah. to sew together <laughs> Well, oh. fortunately, because I wasn't that great with it, I'm a slightly loose knitter. So, so fortunately, with um, with the gauge, um, they were all things she could grow into. So it wasn't wasn't newborn stuff. Because also, I know myself well, and I went, okay, there's no point in me knitting newborn newborn stuff. She'll probably be five before I finish it. Um, so I'd better pick a larger size and hope that I can get it finished before she's grown into it. So. I think um, I think that was kind of <laughs> how that came about. So I did have a, quite a patch of knitting at that about 14 years ago. And then I didn't really pick it up again, um, I guess, until about four years ago. I didn't even knit for my own baby when she was little. Um, it wasn't until she was, I'm trying to think now, on my project page on Ravelry, when I found Ravelry, she was probably almost 18 months old by the time I started actually knitting things for her. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of, of kind of progress photos of her growing up <laughs> in the last few years as I've been knitting for her on my project pages. Of course now I don't have time to knit for her anymore because I'm too busy with Outlaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the irony of it all. Yeah, it is, it is. But I will have to try before next winter because she's um she's kind of grown out of everything that I'd made her, I think, so in the last couple of years. Yeah. Mm. So tell me about Outlaw, because that then quite a big change, was it for you, or had you been in the fibre industry leading up to? How did that all come about? Oh, you know, a fit of madness in the middle of the night, those kinds of things. Um, I guess, um, well, I was working with Rhiannon on Stitch Seekers, and it was... One of those conversations where you go, oh, wouldn't it be nice to have a yarn line one day? <laughs> um, I guess partly born out of partly born out of frustration, as most businesses are, because there seems to be a very distinct divide between um, the commercially produced yarn and the um, uh, the indie dyers. So. There's the indie dyes with all their beautiful colours, which were just, you know, oh my god, you should see my indie dye stashes. <laughs> I've got a good indie dye stash. My credit card, <laughs> my credit. Well, actually, <clears throat> yeah, Malcolm's credit card. Um, <laughs> and attest to that. So, you know, there's the, the beautiful, inspiring indie dyes, but then there was the commercial yarn, which is the great thing about commercial yarn is it's readily available. It's mm -hmm. there when you want it. You just go to the shelf, pick it up and start knitting with it. Whereas the indie dyes, you know, it may or may not be available. The colour you want, they may or may not have dyed it. Um, it might be gone. Um, you know, mm. so there was there was that kind of, to me, there seemed like a huge gulf in the middle where, yeah, they were two kind of very distinct and different things. So it was partly born a little bit out of frustration of not being able to get the indie dye that I wanted. <laughs> um, and, and partly because, you know, because I wanted... 
access to it you know whenever I wanted it because I'm like that you know it's like now give it to me now 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 and then also this you know pie in the sky oh someday down the track oh wouldn't it be nice to have my own yarn so as you do trawling around Rav and looking at, at different things and um I'm, I'm a terrible stalker on Rav I you know I hunt around all over the place looking for information um I came across yarn box which is an American company. Um, if you don't know it, they do a subscription service. So every month you get, um, or their subscribers get, a box of yarn, which is something special and exciting. And and um, and I kind of went, ah, oh, I wonder if those guys would be interested in yarn from New Zealand. So, as you do, I emailed them and went, Hey, um, would you guys be interested in yarn from New Zealand? You know, like something with a possum content? And they emailed me back and went, Great, can we have a sample? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I went, Oh. <laughs> I opened my email going, Oh. Uh-oh. I think I just sold yarn I don't have. Because <laughs> it was, you know, to me it was kind of one of those... You know, in the far distant future, you know, mm. is this something you guys would be interested in? Because I was thinking, oh, maybe, you know, maybe that would be, you know, look at, you know, this is the five-year, you know, plan down the track somewhere. And then suddenly it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> so I rang Marie at the mill. Um, you guys know the Design Spun Mill. You've done a tour there. I think in Napier. talked about it. Yeah, in Napier. Yeah. yeah. So I rang Marie. Lucky Marie knows me quite well. And... Um, went oh um Marie <laughs> help <laughs> I think I've just sold yarn I need some <laughs> so anyway luckily for me uh Marie and Peter are very helpful and um yeah before I knew it I could actually go back to um after after some conversations with them I could actually go back to Yarnbox and say here look this is uh this is the yarn I'm thinking about what do you guys think and they were like great can we have it by November uh just one moment let me <laughs> let me check with the mill <laughs> oh. so that is in effect how how Outlaws started so yeah way before I was expecting it it's well, kind of you know going back to childhood as well um I actually walked before I crawled and when I told my husband this he was like and nothing has changed <laughs> I'm um, I'm one of these people who just is in boots and all and that's what happens and sometimes that gets me into trouble <laughs> but um, yeah so yeah suddenly anyway um, Bohemia Sport was um, was in the mill and um, that was pretty exciting. Mm. So you started with a sport weight and you had, tell me about the conversations that you had to have in order to get it going. I'm just so curious because you didn't have any fight, any, you, any, you had no sheep. Or no. Alpaca no. actually is Bohemia, isn't it? Um, it's it's Polworth, Polworth which, that's right. which is a cousin to Merino. So it's yeah, like Merino, but just not Merino. And Alpaca and Possum. So, I mean, definitely possum had to go in there because, you know, we needed a bit of a New Zealand content. I mean, I'm very fortunate that the, the mill, I mean, Peter and Marie have an absolute wealth of knowledge. They're the people I speak to at the mill most often. 
so basically it was kind of talking to them about the different fibers I didn't want to do merino possum because everybody does merino possum so it's like well do we need more merino possum you know um, I think Zalana has that market cornered you know I need to be doing something different uh, so being able to talk with Marie and Peter and find out what else is available um, the different I mean it's important to the properties of the fiber and, and what you kind of your what you envisage the outcome um, you know like what do you want people to make with your yarn what's you know what's the most important things with it and um, so thinking about all of those kinds of things and with a bit of toing and froing that was how we came up with this combination. I mean, I love alpacas. Um, you know, uh, the Vanitas base is 90% alpaca and mm. 10% organic merino. Um, and um, and our alpacas are cute. <laughs> They're just cute. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so it was cool to have some alpaca in there as well for something that's a little bit different. As I say, the Polworth, because um, Polworth is, is lovely, lovely fiber. I think a lot of spinners quite like it it's got a very long uh, a long fiber so it's quite good for learning for spinning um, which also I thought would perhaps help with the possum because possums are very short fiber and I didn't want I have knitted with um, a possum yarn years ago and I don't know in fact I think it was the first possum yarn I ever knitted with and I was like oh my god why do people like this it was like knitting string because it had been it had been um, spun so tightly to hold the possum fiber in that it was just so rough on your hands um i did not enjoy it <laughs> knitting that project at all yeah because yours is so so soft so it's mm. a, a slightly looser spin then is it just to to really loosen up those fibers and stop yeah. that prickle factor that yeah. yeah also also with the um you know with the possum because it's so short um i think if you have a very high possum content um, there's not as much to hold it in there, so you've got to spin it tighter. I am not a fan of really super fuzzy yarn. So, you know, that really fluffy kind of angori mohair is just too much for me. I yeah, it's um it's very pretty, very lovely. I'm sure I I'm sure I knitted it in mohair jumpers back in the day in the eighties. But uh, but it, yeah, it really is just a bit too fluffy for me, which is why I actually kept the the possum content down at at ten percent. As much as you know, we we like to use as much possum as possible to get rid of those varmints. It was it was a case of, uh, for me personally, I find it too fluffy if it's mm. got too much possum in it. Mm. So I wanted to keep that content low. So um, what I love about Bohemia is it's got that wonderful haze to it. Um, it's still got really good stitch definition. I've seen beautiful projects done um, on RAV. The projects that go up just amaze me. They're just wonderful. I love love looking at them. But people have knitted lace. Um, they've knitted, you know, and normally with, you wouldn't use a fuzzy yarn and, mm. and knit lace with it. And cables and all sorts of, you know, beautiful things. But it's got just enough of a haze that it doesn't obscure too badly. I mean, obviously I wouldn't knit super intricate. <laughs> lace with it but um, you know but some of the lace and things that I have seen you know it comes up beautifully and you can still see it um, you can still see the cables um, so you know that's that's been really interesting to see you know mm. as it goes along I'm a really plain knitter I'm a garter stitch knitter garter stitch stripes everybody knows I love garter stitch stripes I love garter stitch stripes too <laughs> so you've got three yarn bases you've got 
the Vanitas mm-hmm. and the Bohemia Sport and then the Bohemia Worsted. Yeah, and so, so the oh sorry, those are actually the same base. It's yes. Just, yes, one one thicker, one thinner. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the Bohemia. So the Vanitas is mostly alpaca with a bit of possum in it. And mm-hmm. then, oh, sorry, I'm getting so wrong. No, you tell us. Tell, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Vanitas is, is yeah, 90% alpaca and 10% organic merino. There's actually no possum in, um, That's right. in Vanitas, yeah. And then the Bohemia is the Polworth. Yep, 45% Polworth and uh, 45% alpaca yep. and 10% possum. Yep. So, get my mates right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just love them. And are they all, are you using all local um, fibres for all the yarns or do you have to source some from overseas? Yes, um, it's it's pretty much all um, local fibre. There may have been a little wee bit of Australian alpaca that snuck in, sneaks in there occasionally. It's just, it just depends if, if there's, a, if there's um, the mill source all the fibre. So if they're having trouble getting enough alpaca fiber here in New Zealand they do bring some in from Australia so that's okay we're kind of cousins or you know we'll let that slide but yeah definitely New Zealand fiber um, it's something that's um, important to me to keep it local Uh, I mean New Zealand we've always had a reputation for the best wool in the world Um, so I don't see any reason to go and source it anywhere else Mm. and there's still sufficient quantities on the whole except for perhaps sometimes with the alpaca there's yeah. still lots of wool coming out of New Zealand then it's not um yeah I mean I definitely I mean obviously the wool industry has been kind of taken over by the dairy industry down here um so I mean this is another reason why it's really important to keep it local is to keep um the sheep farming and um, the wool producing here in New Zealand um if we don't um support the local farmers then it's not going to be viable for them to keep farming Mm. so you know then you you lose the entire industry Mm. so yeah keeping it local is really important Mm. and you talked about the varmin or the vermits or the the horrible (laughs) possums tell tell me more about the possums and tell me why it's so important to you to put possum in it in your well in your yarn Oh, possums, possums, possums. They are, the problem with possums is that they're so cute and fuzzy looking and they are destroying our native forests. They're destroying our bird life. Um, and they multiply very quickly, possums. The, the problem with possums is that there's actually no natural predators here in New Zealand. So there's um, the biggest land mammal that New Zealand has, a native land mammal, is a tiny, tiny bat. So when the, the possums were brought over here um, from Australia in the, about the 1820s, I think, off the top of my head, some some clever people thought that they'd bring them over here and start a fur industry because, you know, that was what you did back in the day. The only problem is the old possums got a, one look at our bush and went, oh, it's Christmas, and uh, basically just took over the bush. Um, when they well when they stopped trapping them for the fur um yeah basically they were just left to to literally take over and run wild and there was there was nothing um nothing stopping that so uh the devastation to the to the bush and the wildlife here in New Zealand we've got a very very fragile ecosystem you know people talk about the fragile ecosystem on the Galapagos islands and things like that ours is just as fragile if not more so 
um, because we've been separated from any other land for so many millions of years that our ecosystem has actually developed in a completely different way, which is why there were no mammals here. They were all birds. I mean, there's so many, I can't even think off the top of my head how many um, hundreds of our native species are actually on the endangered list. And, you know, there's lots of things that have already, um, you know, are extinct. Um, So the possums basically just going through the bush, they destroy... um, they destroy the bush itself so um, but they also a lot of our birds here are flightless so they get into the nests and um, they eat the eggs kill the chicks they're not just herbivores possums Um, so the damage they're doing is is just outrageous and I know they're so cute and I know they're so cuddly and if I could put them all 70 million odd of them in a box and ship them back to Australia I would but actually I don't even think the Australians want them back because the thing is, in Australia, possums are protected and, and native and all that kind of thing. But I don't think possums actually, um, I think they've even evolved a bit more here in New Zealand. I think they're bigger than the Australian possums. Yeah, because they really um, can be quite big, like the size of a cat. I mean, Oh, yeah, and the size of a large cat. Yeah. yeah. And um, I, know, I know, like I say in the photos, they look so cute and so cuddly. But, oh, my God, possums are fierce. <laughs> I don't think they're that cute. They look like giant rats to me. And yeah. we every now and then hear a scratching and we realised why the people before us in our house put a cover over the fireplace for the summer oh, because yeah. they jump down the chimney and then have their babies in our fireplace. So we pull away the cover and there's a little family of possums sitting there and it's, oh, I don't like it at all. It's awful. No. <laughs> <laughs> they eat all our grapefruit and our oranges and my avocados. Yeah. They just, yeah. And they're ev- absolutely everywhere, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, mm. and and the, yeah, and the, I'm very fierce. I mean, I've, <laughs> it it makes me laugh. I've had to correct a few people. Um, I'm, I'm trying to be gentle about it, but I've had to correct a few people with their misconceptions um, on Ravelry about possums. Someone who said that oh no, possums have um, really fluffy tails, and they brush the fur to get the possum. Oh, no, we don't brush the possums' tails. No. <laughs> no. No. no, no, there's no way you could brush a, f- a full-grown possum to get its fur. They would shred your shred you, your arms and, yeah, it would, mm. yeah. Unless you're going to want to wear a full suit of armour to try it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, very fierce, very sharp claws, very sharp teeth. Um, and, uh, yeah, don't take any prisoners. No. <laughs> possum fur industry was started in New Zealand to try and help with the culling of them basically Mm. I mean the thing too is business people um, you know in this world money talks um, and if you're if you're a business you've got more clout than Joe Bloggs off the street and we can definitely demand that possums are um, cult humanely Mm. that's very important I mean I remember you know back in the day when I was a kid you know, there was a lot of talk about gin traps and things like that, that which was really, which were really nasty. You know, they were horrible, horrible things. Whereas these days, um, you know, the possums are trapped and then um, killed humanely. You know, that you know that kind of side of thing is really important to me. I've, you know, I've been, uh, I've, let's just say, I've had discussions on occasion. You know about about this, and I know it's hard for people from overseas to kind of understand. And the thing is, I'm an animal lover too. 
my husband and I support animal charities and things like that. All our, our pets are rescue animals. Um, you know, we're, we're animal lovers too. So, I mean, I understand it's a difficult concept to get your head around the fact that we're using fur from dead animals. But it's kind of a case of if we didn't use it, the possums will be killed anyway. Okay, mm. it's not that we are taking killing possums just so we can have pretty yarn. Okay, when when definitely not doing that. The fur is a is basically a byproduct. The possums will be killed anyway. Even if their fur mm. is horrible, the possums will be killed. Um, but we're just trying to make some good come of it. Mm. Um, and we try and we're trying to save our ecosystem by mm. doing this. If there were no possums in New Zealand, I wouldn't be using possum fur. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, maybe it's worth a trip. If people are really confused or concerned, maybe they should come and have a look and come and yeah. visit us. Because yeah. it, it's quite a different, I mean, there is quite a different mood about it in New Zealand. And I think um, there's a general consensus that this is something that just is for the general good. I, it, it, pe people don't really question it in New Zealand, do they? Because we all understand how beautiful yeah. our bush is, how beautiful our country is. And it really needs to stay that way so um yeah everyone should come for a visit yes definitely <laughs> come and have a look so i'm curious to know as well so we've got the fabulous content of your yarn but the other thing that makes me curious is how you choose your colors and where that inspiration comes from so i know that do you base them on paintings is that right your color choices how does that all work for you Yes, not necessarily on paintings, but some of them have been based on paintings. Well, we're real theme junkies, really. It's one of those things that, you know, trying to... When I was trying to pick colours for for the ranges, like, I didn't really want to go with the whole, okay, let's just have a, a rainbow of colours, or, um, you know, there's got to be some way to make them kind of relate better to one another um, and actually tell a story. It kind of, I mean the whole branding of Outlaw Yarn, it would have been really easy to do the usual, um, you know, fly the flag for New Zealand kind of native, but you know, how many shades of green do you need? Mm. <laughs> okay, it's a, it's a little bit like that, <laughs> I mean, but also there's other people doing that, you know, so it was kind of a case of I don't really feel the need with the branding to go, although I'm an extremely proud New Zealander, I didn't feel the need to, to make the brand itself all about New Zealand. I wanted to have a bit more of a world view with it. So, I mean, obviously, you know, paintings, things like that, art is very inspiring, or it is to me. And trying to just come up with with a bit of a, a theme, because we're such theme junkies, um, basically we started to look towards paintings and things like that, things that, that actually spoke to us as artists. And we rejected a whole lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> like there were dozens of mood boards. Pinterest is your friend when you're doing these things. Um, and we did dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of mood boards and we couldn't quite get the right thing. And then we um, came across, um, because the first colour range we were doing was actually the um, Vanitas. 
the Vanitas paintings. And these are from the 16th and 17th century in the Netherlands. And so this is the, these are the still life paintings that you see that have the skulls and the candles and the butterflies and bubbles and things like that. And all of those um, things are symbolic, the musical instruments, um, every everything in there is a symbol of something. And we just thought that they were very beautiful. And it was a little bit of the... Um, the kind of, um, it's kind of, it's all about the transience of life, basically. And that was something that, looking at those paintings was like, oh yeah, really, something about those spoke to us. And it was like, yeah, um, the colors are beautiful. And just kind of the meaning behind it as well. It's quite easy to get, I guess, kind of tied up in in a way in material things and and not look out into the world in a broader picture and really I mean we're only on on the planet for such a short time um, so it is all a little bit about the transience of life and it's very deep for a yarn <laughs> colors isn't it I like it I really like it but it, you know it was just it was just kind of Maybe it was just the mood we were in at the time. I don't know, but but that that was what was was speaking to us. So, I basically made up a mood board and Pinterest from there, and all the colours were pulled out of that. The Bohemia range is a little bit different. We kind of Bohemia. We sort of started down a Victorian vibe. And Victorians were crazy people, uh, <laughs> but there was a lot of colour. Again, that was something that that came from from a pin uh, Pinterest board. You know, we started just pinning all these kind of Victorian things and the themes that kind of come through as you start pinning and and picking the colours from there. The Bohemia Worsted um, has got you're talking about the painting references. Um, has got a few references back to the pre-Raphaelites. Um, they were outlaws in their own time because they started their own art movement basically. They didn't um, follow what the established uh, art society kind of rules were at the time and started painting these um, these paintings that were kind of the whole medieval, you know, going back to the classics kind of things which weren't the norm at the time. So in their own way, they were outlaws. And I guess, I guess that's the whole kind of a vibe that um, relates to the whole brand when we're um, we're trying to decide what to call the yarn and and how to how to brand it, all of that kind of thing. If you look at you know most of the other yarns, it's all I don't know some kind of fluffy bunny names and things like that. But it, that didn't really um, well. You've met me. I'm not really a fluffy bunny kind of girl. <laughs> The brand to me feels like a contemporary New Zealand in a way though. That's there's a slight uh, edginess and irreverence to some of it. Do, do you think that's that would be true? Is Definitely. Hmm. Yeah. It just seems fresh and really modern to me. Yeah, mm. and I think I think that's what we were going from uh, for. I think, you know, there's there's a very big um uh, you know, oh, sorry, start again. <laughs> you think when you think about yarn, you know, a lot of it is that whole that kind of the perception of it is is very much the old kind of granny knitting and things like that. Which of course all the all the knitters and well, when I say knitters, I'm meaning crochet 
crochet is as well roll their eyes at these days because you know we're not all old grannies and but there is that very very much that perception and I think the thing is with a lot of the the big the very big commercial yarn companies is that they haven't actually caught on to that they're still back in that kind of fluffy bunny era when I um was looking at the branding and at the colors and and the yarn and where to take it it's like yeah I don't I don't want people to think I'm an old granny because I'm old but not a granny um <laughs> so it was kind of like well, what would appeal to me if I walked into a shop and looked on the shelf what do, what do I want to see what's um what's going to catch my attention <laughs> the um the skull on the Vanitas band has been a little bit uh, contentious at times. I may or may not have been called a Satanist. <laughs> um, oh dear! Oh, dear. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Which um, was kind of like, okay, all right. Um, and I have had some people. Uh, I've had you know a couple of places of oh, stockists that won't carry it because they don't they don't like the skull. And and that's fine. And you know I'm don't want to make judgments on that it's like okay um you do have a skull in your own head but yep that's fine that's okay with me i've also had lots of people that buy it though because they love the skull they love the imagery mm. and love the colors and i guess it was a case of trying to find colors that i thought people would wear um if you look at at um you know bohemia sport that's a very versatile kind of weight of yarn and um so that you know there's lots of colors in that lots of light bright ones lots of darker ones lots of lots of everything because i'm not very good at picking six color ranges <laughs> um, it's like no i want all the colors <laughs> Bohemia Worsted is, you know, it's a little bit more grown up. It's like, hey, it's a heavier weight yarn. People might will possibly want to use it more for garments. Um, you know, some of these places where it gets very cold. So it was like, okay, I'm going to tend there to the slightly, not darker colours, but a, a little bit. They're moody, aren't they? There's a little a... bit moody, yeah, a little mm -hmm. bit moody, a little bit more grown up. It's like, um, if you it's a heavier weight yarn if it's the middle of winter not the fact that you don't want to wear bright colors in the middle of winter but just just that they're you know like you say a little moodier mm. so um yeah it's not it's not the sort of yarn you're going to be wearing in spring so let's, <laughs> let's just say that <laughs> no i think they i love the big choice i think they work well together too so it seems to me that having that reference for you to that the paintings or the eras or whatever you're choosing as your base has meant that you've been able to pull out quite complementary colours. So they do work well, for, I think, for colour work and, and actually blending well together as well as mm. on their own. Yeah, I, I think they're really successful. I wanted to ask you, because I know there will be people out there listening and wondering more about all this making of yarn. If there is mm -hmm. someone listening who is curious to start their own yarn range, have you got a couple of tips for them? Is there anything you... <laughs> don't start don't with a do no. what I did. <laughs> don't, yeah, make sure you've got really deep pockets, and um, <laughs> yeah, basically take a, take a really good listen to what I did and do the opposite. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I think that's probably my best advice. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't need sheep. 
You can do no, things no, through a mill. You, you don't need sheep. Um, yeah, as I say, the mill sources all my fibre for me, um, which is great. But they have all the contacts, so you know, so that's that's really good. And um, you know, I spend a lot of time talking with um, with Marie. And uh, the funny thing is, because both of us come from Gisborne, our families are from Gisborne, and both of us kind of have basically sheep sheep farmers in the in the blood. Although the very, very funny thing is that when I was um, talking to my dad, because, you know, my dad knows everybody. You can drop my dad anywhere in the world in a room and he will find someone he knows. He's just one of those kinds of people or someone who knows someone, you know. It's it's just, he's like that. So anyway, I thought, well, he must know Marie's family. And so I asked him about this and he just laughed and looked at me and went, uh, yeah. And I was like, what? And my great auntie was married to marie's great uncle oh there you go so we're kind of cousins so <laughs> so find a cousin who owns a mill that would probably find be the a, best tip yeah find a cousin who works <laughs> at a mill and uh, that that's really helpful i guess having those kinds of of, of contacts you know through the mill and the fact that um you know they know where the they know where all the fibre comes from. Um, I'm constantly ringing Peter and bending his ear, going, "Peter, I've heard about this. What about this fibre? What's this like? What's you know, um, you know?" They've got a wonderful amount of experience, which is great for me because, um, um, you know, I'm learning from them all the time about the different fibres and different properties, and and um, whenever I have crazy ideas, they can kind of rein me back in if necessary. <laughs> So, what crazy ideas do you have at the moment? Well, do you have any big dreams for Outlaw Yarn? Uh, always big dreams. I guess at the moment I'm working on uh, just getting more stockists. Um, so we've got about 15 at the moment, which is uh, really exciting. We've got um, the first um, stockists in the US and Australia. That's exciting in itself, as well as of course all the wonderful New Zealand stockists that I have. Um, it's really great to be so well supported by the local market um, so I really want to expand um, sort of further into the US um, and into um, the UK so hello if anyone's listening from the UK and Europe and you would like some nice yarn for your store please call me <laughs> um, I'm easy to find <laughs> yeah so I'm just I guess you know expansion into other markets there's always new yarn on the drawing board um, in various stages of development. It's Yeah, I'm really good at getting inspired in the middle of the day when I'm supposed to be doing something else or the middle of the night and, um, you know, having to get up and, and uh, get on the computer and out with my Pinterest boards and go, oh, oh, and this and this and this and I just had a vision for this yarn and I want it to look like this and I want these colours and, uh, yeah, and I want this blend and, yeah, so... There's, there's all sorts of various things um, sitting um, in various stages of completion. I am trying at the moment with the mill probably next week to schedule the new Outlaw Yarn. <laughs> oh, you hear it here first. Yeah, it's, it's not a very well-kept secret, I don't oh, think. I haven't well, heard it. I was just well, hoping. Well, well, actually, well, yeah, actually, you guys probably are the first to, to kind of know about it. Um, um, so I am 
um, yeah, working on working on that at the moment. But I don't kind of have an ETA or anything just yet. Well, I've just got to talk to the mill and see when they can fit it in, in their scheduling. So that's kind of exciting. That is very <laughs> exciting. That is cool. Oh, well, thank you so much for talking me, to me today. I um, yeah. I'm just I love all your stuff. I think it's yeah. I really enjoy. I love knitting with Outlaw. Lots. Everyone will have heard that from me I think, by now. <laughs> I am quite in love with it. I love the colours, and I just it's so super soft. I think it's fabulous. So thanks so much for coming coming and talking to me. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Deb. Wasn't that fascinating? I can thoroughly recommend that you try some Outlaw yarn. I think I'll link to their website in my show notes show notes, so you can buy some for yourself. I've actually got rather a bit of Outlaw yarn in my stash, so you can look forward to some patterns for Outlaw yarn from me this year, I think. I've already actually released one pattern using Outlaw. My Auraki hat uses the DK weight Vinitas, and it's just so soft and so cosy to wear, and it has an all-over stitch pattern it's a lot of texture in that hat and it just works beautifully with the soft wool right that's it for today I do hope you have a lovely couple of weeks I'll be back in a fortnight I'm going to do fortnightly podcasts mostly fortnightly podcasts and in the meantime keep your eyes peeled for my new Maximus hat pattern and join us for the washi sew along go on it's going to be so much fun right bye everyone happy knitting is it a scarf or is it a sweater From what I've heard It could be a third of a poncho There's no excuse now Not to be knitting Cause you can do it standing And you can do it sitting Is it a hat Or is it the start of a blanket Maybe a ball Or even a shawl for a baby For a teapot There's no excuse now Not to be knitting Cause you can do it standing And you can do it sitting